Chopping that wood, as Brad Underwood said, and the Road Killers came through on Tuesday night. The sounds of the Illini locker room after pummeling number two Michigan earlier this week. We'll be talking about that big win with a special guest later on in this episode of the podcast. But first and foremost, welcome back to a revamped podcast with a brand new format. But don't worry, it still has that same old feel. Now, before what we did, uh, I had a previous guest, and that would be the, most of the episode. But I want to change things up. And introduce you folks to my great friend, Sandeep. Welcome to the show and welcome to being a co-host of the podcast, man. How you doing? Man, I'm just I'm just honored to be sharing the same the same uh same breath with you, man. Like <laughs> this is this is such an honor. No, of course, man. Sandeep Chandok over here too, just uh just doing a whole mess of things. Sandeep first and foremost, how we were connected through the Asian American Journalist Association. He's doing great things over writing about NBA, fantasy writing, NBA in general with the league over at Roto World. Just a sharp dude, honestly, folks. So uh Sandeep, just tell us a little bit about your background right now, where you're at and um what what makes you so passionate about sports? Hey, man, first of all, like you mentioned, you know, shout out to AJ. Like, that's how we met. And, you know, it's been a couple of years now, and here we are, you know, still really good friends and one of my closest friends. You know, that's, that's what I think of you, bro. You know, it's never going to change. So thanks for having me on. But, yeah, like you mentioned, you know, do some fantasy writing at NBA uh, or NBA fantasy writing for, for NBC Sports Edge, which used to be Roto World. Um, and then, man, I, I fell in love with with sports and you know, when I was a kid, just growing up, I think just like everyone else, I played like played basketball. I played some football at the park with friends, you know, baseball, soccer, kind of everything. And then um, once I really started playing basketball a lot at the parks and middle school, high school, I just um, that just kind of like, you know, you hit that point where you're like, all right, well, I'm not going to make it to the league. So but I want to stay around sports. And what can I do? And I was like, man, uh, you know, I used to watch PTI on TV every single day when I came back from school and watching Mike Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser just go at it. I'm like, dude, these guys get paid to argue about sports. Like I want to do that. <laughs> and maybe we'll do that a little bit today, but, oh, um, you, you know, know that's how to. I got into sports journalism. <laughs> exactly. That's how I got into sports journalism, man. You know, from that show and the the passion for ball just turned into a, turned into a career. And, and you're a Bay area guy, but I've got to, I've got to say that even though you're from the Bay area, you're not a golden state warriors fan. You are a diehard Los Angeles Lakers fan. Yeah, people always ask me, uh, you know, how are you from the Bay and you're a Laker fan? I'm like, I'm like, man, it's Kobe. Like, I grew up on Kobe. You know, he was my favorite player growing up and still is. And so he was the one that, you know, got me into the, the purple and gold. And Laker fans are are the best. You know, they're crazy. They will they will defend their guys. They will rip their guys at the same time if they if they're not playing up to standard. You know, if you're on Twitter, you see that all the time. And uh, you know, we're struggling a little bit right now, you know, with uh, ADL, Schroeder just came back, you know, a couple of games ago, but, um, you know, after the break and who knows, maybe there's some, some trades looming for this team. There's been rumors spiraling around, you know, the last week or so, and we'll, we'll see what happens as uh, the Lakers make, look to make a push for that, for that back-to-back. And we'll, we'll talk about so many different teams. We'll, we'll for sure argue. And I have an, a, a little bit of a thing that I want to give you a quick jab at that's not sports related, but we will talk about that in a second. But we talk about the Kobe Shaq teams. We also, with Kobe and Pau Gasol, 
different eras from Phil Jackson's Lakers and Kobe Bryant's Lakers. Um, I mean, that, that was just a fun era of basketball. And unfortunately, I didn't get to catch the Michael Jordan days, as you can also see the background, too, maybe from a preview that I've got in my Zoom background. Great mural, too, of the, the two Chicago goats, Walter Payton and Michael Jordan. Same thing with Kobe Bryant, though, too. And um, not only did the Lakers bring back that quarantine championship from the bubble, but the Los Angeles uh, Dodgers also coming back with the the World Series crown. It's been it's been a minute. Um, Sandeep, you know, I've I was also out there during 2016, and I got a taste of what LA sports is all about. Man, it's just such a such a hypnotizing but cool atmosphere to be around. Um, what what do you enjoy most? Because I know you've gone out to LA once in a while, and uh, just being in that environment, especially as a sports fan, what's that like for you? LA is dope, man. It's you know outside of the Bay, it's it's my favorite city. There's so much to do, so many, so many good places to eat. And, you know, being a Laker fan, it's just walking around and seeing, seeing other, other people, you know, rocking the LeBron jerseys, Kobe jerseys, you know, Shaq. And you go by Staples and you see the statues outside of Magic, you know, and, and Shaq. And it's just like, it's such a sports city, you know, and it's such, it's a cool, it's a cool feeling. Um, I don't, I don't like the blue and white that I see because I'm a Giants fan. That's where my, my baseball allegiance, you know, lies, but it is, it's still a great city, you know, and um, I love going down there. Like you said, I go try to go down a couple times a year. Last time I was there, you were there as well. And that was the last time we kicked it, you know, which is crazy pre uh, pre panoramic as, they, <laughs> as people like to call it. But um, yeah, I love LA, man. LA is dope. Well, Sandeep, again, uh, love to welcome you as a special or or as the permanent or as we continue this man as the uh, the co-host of the podcast. Excited to not only get to talk sports, but one of the other things that I wanted, like I said, want to throw this jab out here. Sandeep and I get along so well, except for one thing, and that's when it comes to talking about the greatest burger chain, which is out on the West Coast. And I don't know how you don't defend this, but. You are Team Shake Shack over in and out And again, being from California, I don't understand that at all. Look, in and out is a good burger, and it's it's really good for the price. You know, probably the it's probably the best bang for your buck. I will 100% agree with that, you know. And um, But that being said, the thing that makes in and out good is, like, is the sauce. And that sauce is quite simply just a Thousand Island dressing, right, on a burger. And I found the recipe. It's have, pretty simple. Yeah. So, but the, let me, let me tell you the first time I had Shake Shack, <laughs> I think it was, it was either down in Vegas or, or LA. I think it was Vegas. And the first bite I took and I was like, Whoa, this flavor, like the flavor just like burst through the burger. Like you can taste the seasoning in the patty, the, the sauce, you know, the sauce was good. And just the man, the overall quality of the burger was like amazing. Now look, like everyone, everyone's first response after that is always, dude, dude, Shake Shack is hell expensive. I know it's expensive. It is, it is like twice the price, right? Of, of like in and out. But the taste is better. And if it was a simple taste test, I would take Shake Shack over In and Out. Yeah, if I wanted to like maybe cut back on my spending a little bit, then I'd go to In and Out and get, I can get a meal for like seven bucks. But I still think Shake Shack till this day is is better than in and out all right man well those are some strong words but like i said even though we disagree on the burgers one thing that we love to agree on is that rush hour 2 is the greatest movie of all time that's that's a movie that i'm sure you'll hear references that sandeep and i are going to make from time to time throughout different episodes so i just want to give people that forewarning right now oh undisputed yeah do not argue rush hour 2 <laughs> is like the goat film i will 
I can quote that like whole movie. Pablo and I will go back and forth. I'll randomly text him or send him gifs or whatever, and we already know what it is. <laughs> oh my gosh! So we we've got a lot in store. Sandeep again is bringing you on as the co-host of the podcast. It's going to be an exciting adventure. What we got ahead of us, whatever the episodes bring. Uh, what are you What are you most looking forward to as we start this journey? Just do man doing the show with you. You know, talking not only sports. Um, you know, but we'll talk we'll talk movies. We'll talk pop culture talk a little bit of uh some some of our favorite shows you know like you said i know we want to get into that um but yeah I'm, I'm excited man just i love i love talking about sports i love talking love talking with you about like pretty much anything so um uh, this is going to be a show for not only the sports fans but people who just like are just a uh, you know have everyday like normal lives just like us like we love sports but we're, we're, we're into more than just that as you guys can already tell um so it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun show Absolutely, Sandeep. Well, I'm excited. Like I said, this is going to be a an amazing journey as we start things out here. And we want to start off that adventure with introducing our first guest. He's been in the business for nearly 20 years, started in Peoria, went to Springfield as a sports director. Then he's back in the 309. He's currently the morning anchor for Heart of Illinois ABC. You can catch him again once again in Peoria, Illinois. Ladies and gentlemen, Donnie Tillman. Donnie, welcome to the podcast, man. Hey man, uh, glad to be here. And uh, you know what? I bought some uh, my entourage with me. My uh, two daughters, uh, Tayan, who is two, and Mikaelin, who is one. And uh, you know what? They're they're a handful, but they're my bundles of joy. Excited to talk sports with you. It's been a while since we've had that opportunity to uh, chat it up. So uh, looking forward to that because uh, it is March Madness, man, and there's a lot going on. As you said, March Madness for sure. We're only four days into this as we record the episode and really just thinking about what this has been for every team that we've seen so far, including a team that we have close to home right now, the Fighting Illini, not only pulling off such a big win on Tuesday against Michigan, the biggest win that they've had in in, uh, school history on the road against a ranked opponent. What are your thoughts from that win? Just impressive what they were able to do uh, to go to Ann Arbor with all the chatter that was going on social media as far as Illini fans and Wolverines fans to go there and really make a statement uh, to beat a team by 23 points um, that is viewed by many uh, around the country as one of the best teams in the country. You go there, you put on that statement, and now you know the Fighting Illini find themselves you know headed into uh, their last game against Ohio State, and then it's the uh, Big Ten tournament, but an opportunity to really sew up uh, one of those uh, top seeds as far as a a one seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, But the one thing I think the Illini did on Tuesday was also enlarge that bullseye on their back. If people didn't know how good they were before, they definitely know that now. And now a lot of uh, national chatter is out there about how deep this Illini team could go. You look at some of the projected uh, brackets out there. If things slide uh, Illinois' way, it could be a, a nice path uh, all the way, possibly to the Final Four. And the fact that everything's in Indian- Indianapolis, not so far away from uh, Champaign, about an hour and a half. Um, you know what? You got to like their chances. DT, not only was it an, an impressive win for them overall, they played great defense. Everybody stepped up when they needed to. Uh, but they did it without one of their top players, who was actually just nominated for Player of the Year award, Iota Sumu. What does it mean for this team to perform at that level without who we know as the closer? You know, it was really impressive because uh, one thing you got to see uh, is Trent Frazier, uh, the senior, really uh, step up and become uh, that leader that he has been, 
But as far as on the court, you know, maybe he's taking a step back as far as letting Io uh, kind of run the show uh, from a scoring standpoint. You saw a senior that has been committed to this program from high school all the way to his senior year now. Uh, so you got to be really proud for Trent Frazier and the fact that uh, the rest of the Illini have really stepped up uh, in the absence of Io. And you hope that once Io comes back, he's just that added piece that makes the Illini even better and more of a uh, threat come uh, the NCAA tournament. And there's really no guaranteed victory in the Big Ten, especially how things have been this year. But you've got to have some type of momentum heading into Saturday, even on a road game against Ohio State. They're coming off, I believe, a three three game skid. Um, what do you think is is in the players' minds right now as they head to Ohio State to finish off the regular season? I think they just want to, you know, come out and continue to show some type of, um, you know, consistency. You know, they don't want to. Uh, laying eggs, so to speak, but you also want to come out of that game healthy and, uh, you know, health will be an issue uh, going into the Big Ten tournament. Uh, you don't want any, you know, injuries or wacky injuries to, you know, to hamper any opportunity uh, for your team to, you know, continue to play deep into March. So I think for Illinois, it's to uh, show consistency and come out healthy and get ready uh, for uh, next week in Indianapolis. Do you think this team is legitimately deserving of a possible number one seed? I think they are. And it's interesting because, you know, at the beginning of the season, you weren't quite sure. You knew they had the talent and they had the ability. Um, but a couple of hiccups uh, in the regular season made you wonder how good is this team. But to watch their transition uh, from the beginning of the year to where they're at now, you've seen growth. And when you see growth like that, um, you recognize something that's special. And I think that this team, you know, it's not the 0405 Illini, but when you see something special brewing and you're, you're a part of that, you know, as far as, you know, close proximity, you, you recognize. And then I think that's something that not only myself, but a lot of uh, Illini fans have seen that this team has gone from a very good team to a special team that can really do some things uh, in the NCAA tournament. You touched on it a little bit, being a special team from 0405. I remember that was one of the first college basketball teams that I ever watched uh, growing up, honestly. And, and that was when you were just starting in the industry and you got to cover them pretty extensively. What is it that you see in comparison to that 0405 team that went to the Natty in comparison to this team that you see right now? Well, the one thing that 0405 team had was a closer, and that was Darren Williams, uh, as far as the player's concerned. We know that this year that closer has been Io DeSumo. But, you know, all the complementary uh, parts of Illinois this year, when you look at a Trent Frazier or a, a Kofi uh, Coburn, you know, you kind of compare them to other players that were on that, uh, that team that finished second uh, to North Carolina. There's just things about this team that you see, and it's not just about basketball, but, again, it's that – that thing that, you know, there's just something different compared to other teams. You know, we know Illinois can score, but lately it's been the defense that has really, um, you know, really caught the eye of a lot of people. Uh, Illinois, I mean, just made life miserable for Michigan on Tuesday. And if they can continue to do that against teams, uh, you know, from this point going forward, uh, they're going to be a, a tough team to eliminate uh, from the uh, NCAA tournament. 
But just going back to that 0405 season once again, what a magical run that was, not only for Illinois, but Illini fans, and, and even just last season, getting a little bit of a taste of that. Unfortunately, not having the March Madness tournament made people feel a little discouraged, but a, a very hopeful coming into this season. I, I'm curious to know from your side of it what you saw in that team. What are some stories when you covered this team that, that you could recall, some of your favorite moments? Oh, man. I mean, um, you know, the one thing about that team is that they were all rock stars. You know, they were just they were just it was just different. It was it was not just covering your average uh, Friday night basketball team. They were stars and you knew that they were special. You knew Darren Williams was going to the league. You knew D Brown was this is going to be a phenomenal uh, player and have the opportunity. I think I got company here, uh, you know, to go to the league. But not only that, um, but it was just. It was just something different where the cohesiveness, everything, you know, fit, you know, from Luther Head, um, you know, just every, everything just worked together and it just made it so fun to uh, not only cover the team, but uh, to watch them play. And obviously, you know, we see the replays of the uh, Elite Eight game against Arizona uh, will always be replayed those last three minutes of regulation and uh, overtime. I mean, you, you can't duplicate those things. And that's what makes it special because there's there's things that they did that year that you will never ever be able to duplicate again. And when you when you talk about that, not only was it a magical run again, but it was a convenient run for media personnel as well as covering Illini because that Elite Eight game that you mentioned that was in Rosemont, and then the Final Four was in St. Louis. From a media coverage standpoint, what did that feel like for you guys at the sports team when uh, when it came to planning that? Oh, it was it was. It, it couldn't have worked out any better. I mean, because if you think about it, the Big Ten tournament was at United, United Center. It was in Chicago. So you went from the Big Ten tournament in, at the UC, then to Indianapolis for the first two rounds, then back to Chicago for, you know, uh, for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, and then to be in St. Louis, you know, all two and a half, three miles tops, uh, you know, travel times. I mean, it was just... It was magical. It was great. And it allowed Illini fans to really uh, not only follow the team from a viewership standpoint, but to follow the team to all three of those desti those destinations as far as cities go. So uh, it was just incredible. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Donnie, as, as we mentioned, too, one of those games that I, I want to see what, what your thoughts were, whether you were in studio, whether you were covering the game, that Elite Eight game not only is it one of the best Illini games of all time, but it could be one of the greatest college basketball games in history. Again, I remember watching that. It was with my family. Uh, everybody went off and did their own thing probably with 10-ish minutes left in the second half. They're like, this game's over. It's not going to happen. And I just remember watching as a kid, just you know, watching it, and then all of a sudden I screamed, they're down, I think they're they're down five or something like that. And everybody came back to the living room. I want to switch it over to you, though, and ask – what were some thoughts going in your mind when that comeback and that victory uh, that, that later went down the road, what was going through your mind for that game? You know, it was interesting because the way we were covering it, we were rotating who was actually going to the game to cover it. So I actually did not cover the elite eight game in person. I was, uh, you know, on the anchor desk uh, recapping. So um, it was interesting because for the sweet 16, it was loud too. And I remember how loud Rosemont was compared to the United Center. The acoustics are just different because the ceiling level is lower at 
than Rosemont Horizon or Allstate Arena now. Um, the, the ceiling is lower and, you know, it's more of that older wooden type ceiling. So when the sound goes up, it comes back down real quick and you can barely hear yourself think. And that was for the Sweet 16. So I can only imagine if you were there for the Arizona game, how loud it was for that Elite Eight matchup. And I've heard people tell me uh, it's the loudest, you know, game they've ever been to was that Elite Eight game uh, against Arizona. So it's it definitely um, it gave them a home court advantage, I think, a little bit because, you know, they had more Illini fans who were able to travel to that game as opposed to Arizona fans. Uh, you know, the Illini traveled well and uh, really lifted that team when they needed it uh, late in that second half. Unfortunately, falling short in the national championship. But regardless, seeing that run, what did Illini fans feel? What did you feel? Just knowing that Illinois was that talented of a team, as you said, they were rock stars. They they truly were. And I, and I wholeheartedly agree with you because that was a fantastic season. Um, just to know that it went down in history like that, what what goes through your mind when you think of 0405? The way it ended, uh, obviously, was not the way the team wanted it to uh, wrap up. You know, it was interesting because that team only lost two games, the last game of the regular season and the last game of the postseason, um, you know, at Ohio State and against North Carolina, who, once Illinois grabbed that number one ranking, never let it go until the final game of the basketball season. Uh, so everyone knew, you know, North Carolina and, you know, Illinois were kind of destined to finally meet. And when they did, it was one of those games where Illinois had just been rolling uh, throughout the postseason. But in that championship game, for whatever reason, um, you know, the shots didn't fall. I think they took an uh, umpteen amount of uh, three-pointers in that contest that they normally uh, would not take. And they really just didn't have any answer for Sean May down low. And it was the one game that season that they missed Brian Randall, who was out um, with the injury for the uh, season. And there was a freshman named Marvin Harrison. Uh, not Marvin Harrison. Marvin. Uh... Oh, the Colts wide receiver? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, Marvin Johnson, or I think Marvin Johnson uh, was the uh, freshman for North Carolina that um, ended up going to the league. But, uh, you know, it was just one of those things where they just didn't match up that game against North Carolina and they got the victory. Um, but you know what? Again, uh, something that will you know, never be duplicated as far as that, what, 39-2 and two team that was just phenomenal to uh, watch. Just a bittersweet ending, unfortunately, that season, but nonetheless still an amazing roller coaster ride. Now we look ahead into this team. Looking at, as we mentioned, Io DeSumo, who has already been on Player of the Year watch. We saw Kofi Coburn, what that monster sophomore has already done in the paint. But some of the other players, too, once again, they, they really came to shine. We talk about the senior Trent Frazier. One of the guys that I love, too, though, is Andre Corbello and what he's done over these last three games to step up. And then another guy, too, he's been he's been a great filling in different roles and also has local ties, uh, DeMonte Williams, who got to or who opted to stay. Um, and I know you probably know a little bit more about his story, too, not only being the son of Frank Williams Jr., but being a pure Emmanuel kid tearing his ACL a senior year and still getting to play at the level that he's at seeing it through your lens DT. What's it like watching DeMonte shine on this stage? You know, it's, it's special because uh, for one, I've seen DeMonte play since he was in grade school. Uh, actually one of my close buddies, I uh, coached him in grade school. So he, he always told me, you know, Frank's kid's going to be really good. He's going to be, you know, awesome. Uh, you know, when he gets to the, you know, college level and, 
uh, is one of those things that you mentioned, you know, when he got hurt in his senior year, uh, people wonder, you know, how he would bounce back. And um, the one thing that I think people are proud of from a, uh, you know, DeMonte Williams standpoint is that you've seen him grow from a kid to a grown man on the court and to watch that senior leadership. Uh, he's just cold hearted, man. I mean, he plays tough defense, but whenever you need a tough three pointer, it seems like he's always there to, to make that one play uh, to kind of just, you know, just like, man, that's a senior, that's a smart kid, but it's not a kid anymore. You know, I remember him, you know, yay high, but now, you know, he's a, he's a grown man and it's just, it's fun to just, you know, watch his growth uh, as a person and on the court, you know, he's just one of those uh, seniors that the Illini can lean on to make smart plays, uh, you know, in tough situations. DT, we've talked so much about what is good about this team. And I'm not saying that we want to talk about the bad, but we also want to look at it from the other side. What is it that you think this team needs to make sure that they take care of uh, in order to, to live up to those expectations to potentially have a deep March Madness run? I think there's a couple of weaknesses that are on paper and that are on tape as well, you know, as they would say uh, for opposing teams. And one of those, uh, I believe Michigan state uh, kind of exposed Illinois from a toughness standpoint, you know, how do you bounce back when you get punched in the face or in, you know, Iodesumo's case, you get your nose broken, you know, uh, how do you respond from that? So I think that's one thing that teams are going to try and uh, you know, see if they can maybe uh, muck it up a little bit. Uh, you know, try and out physical uh, Illinois. Another thing too, and we saw that in the game against Baylor earlier this year, uh, playing above the rim. You know, Illinois can, you know, can shoot and they can score, but as far as playing above the rim, you know, going up and getting rebounds, you know, really just um, taking it to the next level. Uh, there's only certain teams that can do that. And I think Baylor uh, was that team that really played above the rim against Illinois and caused some problems um, throughout that game. So those are really the two weaknesses I would say um, Illinois has maybe exposed, you know, that, you know, if you're coaching, you're like, all right, let's try and work on these things to, you know, uh, impact them uh, from a negative standpoint. Donna, you mentioned it as, or as we talked about in the intro earlier, March Madness is here. It's super exciting. We're not even at postseason play yet, technically. Some of the mid-major tournaments are starting, including as uh, as we record this just in a couple hours. I'm not sure what their fate looks like, but Bradley Braves are going to be uh, playing a Thursday game for the first time in a few years. And same thing for your Southern Illinois Salukis as we get ready for Arch Madness in general. So it's an exciting time, and I know you've been watching the mid-major uh, potential uh, doing some recruiting at, at who might be some upset teams. Is anybody standing out to you so far? Um, I was actually just looking at that differently uh, th today. Give me one second. I want to check on my little majors here to make sure they're still uh, doing okay. <laughs> For those of you that don't know right now, uh, Donnie <laughs> said earlier he might have a guest coming in. It's he's We, we caught him as he's on baby, uh, babysitter duty, excuse me. Um, yes. and, uh, some fun times, fun, fun yeah, times. Yeah, they were a little too quiet, so I had to make sure uh, they were doing okay out there. <laughs> Uh, but uh, as far as uh, Bradley and, um, you know, other teams in the Missouri Valley Conference, for instance, uh, the Braves are obviously going for their third straight uh, Missouri Valley Conference tournament title. Uh, it's going to be um, easier said than done, you know, playing four games in four days in order to accomplish that. But you don't put anything past this team, especially when they get into postseason play. Uh, St. Louis has been uh, nothing but special for the Braves as of late, and they'll look to uh, try and continue that success uh, down in St. Louis. 
They start with Southern Illinois University tonight, actually, as we're recording this uh, this uh, podcast. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting because Southern Illinois has dealt with injuries all season, uh, and they're still a dangerous team. I mean, we're talking about a ball club that went to Butler and uh, ended Butler's uh, long uh, home winning streak, uh, you know, at Hinkle Fieldhouse. So, uh, it's not that, you know, St. Louis has not been kind to SIU either. It has been a special place for the Salukis uh, with it being, you know, just under two hours away. So I expect uh, a tough ball game uh, between those two. And uh, whoever wins that, good luck to you because you get the top seed uh, Loyola uh, on Friday in an 11 a.m. game, which I was talking with other people today. And I said, you know, even though Loyola is the one seed, an 11 a.m. game is not something they're used to. You know, when you're playing night games all season long, to get up and going early like that can be very interesting. And we've seen in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament, anything can happen. You throw out the records, uh, teams get hot, and uh, things get ha- things can happen on a neutral court. Um, another Valley team, uh, Illinois State, uh, is in action tonight. They'll, they play after Bradley and uh, SIU. Uh, they'll take on Northern Iowa. But I think it's interesting because I think if ISU can beat Northern Iowa, Drake is without their best player tomorrow. And so, and for the tournament, he won't be, uh, he will not play in the Missouri Valley Conference tournament. So, um, you know, Drake has been a team that has shown that um, they've been hit with injuries all season long. They've been talented, don't get me wrong. And they've won a lot of games, but they've been dealing with injuries. And I believe, uh, you know, they only had so many players against Bradley uh, when the Braves beat them. So it could be interesting to see uh, if, uh, hi, welcome. We got our special guest uh, back here now. Yes, my uh, daughter, uh, Tan, apparently wanted to, to hop on. So uh, <laughs> it could be interesting to see if ISU can get past Northern Iowa tonight and then face a wounded Drake ball club. Yeah. You know, they could be, um, you know, seeing a wounded two seed uh, on Friday. The conversation of the Missouri Valley being a two-bit league has been going back and forth for years. Last season, as you mentioned, DT, it looked like Northern Iowa and uh, and Loyola were destined to both make the tournament last year. They ended up getting bounced in the first round. Um, whatever happens from here on out, especially with Loyola being in the AP rankings right now, do you see the MVC being a two-big, a two-bid league? You know, Drake has been that team that's been like one of the last four in, you know, in the bracketology all week. And uh, I think if they have a early round bounce in the Missouri Valley uh, tournament, uh, it might just be a one bid, you know, uh, Missouri Valley uh, conference as far as the NCAA tournament is concerned. So I think right now Drake is running on fumes and they're just trying to hang on and do what they can in St. Louis with the few bodies that they have. So it will be interesting. Excellent. And uh, th- those are some great sound effects that we have right here. It's, it's yeah. almost like uh, she might have a career, too. Like, what, who's who's the person from Police Academy that would do all those sound effects? I can't remember. The <laughs> oh, I, I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and she does, too, apparently. It's uh, funny because uh, she's normally the quiet one, but when it comes <laughs> to being around other people, she uh, she definitely likes to be the uh the scene of a, the center of attention, I guess, is the best way to put it. Swinging arms right now, uh, just describing that, pointing in different directions. She's she's thriving right now in this Zoom call. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> well, uh, Donnie, as we just talk about as well, not only is it fun covering 
our, uh, March Madness at this time of the year, especially you being an SIU guy, me being a Bradley guy. It's fun to have those seats at the side of the court, and I know you've got a bunch of different stories all, all over the place. I know in conversation, one of the stories that you would always tell me was when um, you were in Miami getting ready to cover a game and you were doing your mic check. Uh, I think I, I'll, I'll hand the mic over to you and let you tell a little bit more of that story specifically. Yeah, so uh, obviously the, um, the, the Super Bowl 41, uh, 2007, when the Bears played the Colts, uh, you know, they have to check your frequencies for your uh, microphones to make sure that they don't interfere with the frequencies in the stadium. Well, at that time, Apparently, my frequency was the exact same one as the uh, one that was in the stadium. So when I went to do a mic check, you heard it all throughout uh, Dolphin Stadium at the time. So uh, it was pretty uh, surreal. So I actually was not allowed to use my wireless microphone. I had to use a, um, a mic cord uh, for my camera because my frequency was set to whatever uh, was at the stadium and I didn't know how to change the frequency. I'm not that technical. Uh, so it was, uh, it was quite interesting, uh, a little bit embarrassing, but, uh, nonetheless, uh, at least that's why they do it beforehand. You have to check in your equipment days before, um, days before, um, the actual kickoff of the game. So you don't have to, you know, have that issue. And I almost got caught in that near same situation too. Uh, when I was over here in Chicago covering the NFL 100 celebration, where they told us that unless you have put your frequencies in, you, you can't run wireless. Because if, if we did hypothetically run wireless, we probably would have been uh, hijacking uh, Big Sean's Big Sean's audio out there on the uh, oh, on wow. the Grant Park stage. So that, that's <laughs> hilarious. But talking about covering Super Bowl 41, too. Again, Donnie, I know that you're from the Chicagoland area, born and raised in Bolingbroke. Fun fact, I really wanted to play the, the King Sosa track that you, that you showed me. And I've just been singing it. <laughs> back here by the way so i i got it stuck in my head which is like what it's like chilling out here in bowling or something like that and i said that and my mom like overhears me and she's like what what are you saying so i was like oh no no it's all donnie it's all donnie but anyway going back to oh, here yeah, <laughs> go, going going back to going back to that though uh chicago roots from bolingbrook illinois or romeoville high school or I, I'm sorry, Romeoville, Bolingbrook area, uh, mm -hmm. Chicago suburb, and covering the Chicago Bears too at Super Bowl 41. What, what was that like for you? Uh, it was special because obviously growing up as a Bears fan, I mean, uh, to be able to cover your hometown team uh, is just remarkable. And, um, you know, you hear about the 85 Bears. I was four years old, so I don't really remember it that much. Hold on, honey, let me talk. Um, I don't really remember it, you know, that much, but to actually be there and, you know, experience that uh, was just incredible. And hey, daddy's talking. Uh, you know, just so many memories of, uh, of just the whole entire weekend and, you know, the hard work, uh, you know, reporting from the Super Bowl and then, you know, being at the game, the emotions uh, leaving the game when your team uh, loses in the championship game, uh, that, you know, will always stick with you as well. But no matter what, it was still a lot of fun. Perfect, perfect. We'll talk about some other teams, too, that we're passionate about. Again, being from the Chicagoland area, I could uh, see that you know, for those for those of you who wanted to know, DT is also sporting. Go check on your sister. DT is also sporting his <laughs> White Sox pullover. Donnie, what a season it was last year for the White Sox, but it just feels like we only got a taste of what's ahead for the years to come. Yeah, I mean, the team, obviously, uh, young and talented, and uh, 
you know, you add uh, Tony Larissa to the mix as far as a uh, manager is concerned, and uh, you're missing or you're you're mixing, uh, you know, his um, his knowledge of the game, obviously with the young players, and you hope it's a recipe for success. And I know there's been some off-season uh, questions about that move, but nonetheless, um, it'll be interesting this season. And um, I've seen predictions where. White Sox are going to finish third in the uh, AL Central. I've seen the White Sox uh, predicting to win 94 games. So uh, we know baseball is crazy and uh, we'll get to, you know, enjoy this journey. And hopefully it's one that takes us again to the postseason and hopefully further along uh, this time around, because I remember that 05 season uh, was something magical. And I hope that the White Sox can duplicate that and uh, bring a World Series to the uh, Windy City again. We'll keep our fingers crossed on that one. What do you like? What do you uh, What do you think they need to retool on as uh, spring training continues? Um, you know, obviously uh, pitching is, you know, everyone's issue. You'd like to see uh, the White Sox uh, showcase a little bit of depth as far as uh, the starting rotation and the, uh, uh, the bullpen as well. So basically, you know, right now, Tony LaRusso is just looking for um, you know, the best mix uh, of what he needs. Uh, you know, LaRusso's always been known to be that guy to go to the bullpen a lot. So uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what pit, or which pitchers uh, actually are on the opening day roster and uh, what the White Sox might do uh, throughout the season as far as, uh, you know, adding and subtracting with all that young talent uh, in the minor leagues, uh, you know, or at least, you know, as far as, the depth of that roster, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what they have uh, come September and hopefully October. All right, DT. Well, before we finish up here, too, we've talked about all the sports that you've covered, but want to talk about a sport that you are passionate about and you still play. I know it's starting to get warmer out there, but I know you play year-round. This man uh, this man is a fantastic slow-pitch softball player. DT, how's the season going so far? Where are you at? Uh, right now we're just, uh, we're getting ready for the season. I believe uh, our first tournament's about a month away. Um, and actually I'm actually, I'm just recovering from an injury. Uh, I actually broke two ribs, uh, in indoor ball. So, uh, recovering from that and how'd that happen? Uh, I gotta know. I was diving for a ball and I just, I pull out Superman laid out for it. And oh when gosh. I landed, I landed right on my ribs and it was Ooh. just not a good uh, feeling. So Broke two ribs. Uh, that was about seven weeks ago. So healed up now. And basically it's kind of like my spring training as far as uh, getting ready for the softball season. So uh, hitting balls in uh, BP and uh, I'm sure we'll get outside and do some fielding because we've had some great weather lately. And like I said, we're about a month out from the season. And I just want to make sure that I go into the season healthy and uh, not have any nagging injuries because I really have never been injured before outside of breaking my wrist in third grade. Uh, so it'll be uh, interesting uh, to see how things uh, heal up. I'm sure you weren't expecting a press conference on uh, on how you felt for the softball season, but I threw that curveball in with you. I, I wanted to hey, check in. I appreciate it because I'm excited. Uh, like I said, I'm ready for the season. Um, I haven't told my wife yet how many nights I'm playing, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Well, good luck with the season, DT. Before I let you go, man, what, what else do you want to let the people know? Uh, just that, you know, uh, I'm always on social media. So if you ever want to chat it up, uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at, uh, Donnie Tillman underscore D O N N I E T I L L M A N underscore. I'm also on, uh, 
Facebook and also on Instagram. So uh, definitely looking forward to uh, a, a long uh, sports season. Hey, we're, and we're looking forward to it, and we're just happy to have March Madness college basketball back for sure, and then some as we continue the seasons. Donnie, again, thank you so much for your time, folks. DT from Heart of Illinois ABC, the morning anchor, just a sports guru, knows just about everything when it comes to the game, especially in Chicago sports. Donnie, thanks again for your time, man. All right, Pablo. Appreciate it, man. All right. Sandeep and I will recap after this. Thanks again to DT, man. Just some great stories. Loved hearing that. Man, being on the speakers, too, at Super Bowl 41, that's uh, that's a bit of a different story, but I love it. Thanks again to Donnie Tillman. You got all his info there. Illinois, once again, as we were talking about that, they play Ohio State on Saturday tomorrow as this episode drops. So be sure to watch that game because that's going to be an exciting one right before Illini heads back into Big Ten play. Sandeep, March Madness is already here. We're not even in postseason play yet, and March Madness is already off the charts, man. How excited are you not only just to see tournament play, start up things are looking pretty good but especially after last year man what does it feel like for you knowing that we've got a tournament this year dude it's been two years like since since the last march madness tournament like that was one of the things you know last last year when the pandemic started i was like oh my god we don't get march madness like you know it was one thing that the nba season was you know was postponed indefinitely for a while but like March Madness only happens once a year and it's the single and not the single because I think the world cup is the single greatest sports sporting event. But I think March Madness is like probably like number two, like right behind that, you know, just because of the amount of the high quality amount of games you get within like a month's time. Right. It's ridiculous. And so here we are two years later, we're back and I'm super excited, man. I I'll be honest. I haven't, watch as much college basketball this year as I normally do. And that's simply because I've just been watching so much NBA, you know, due to work. Um, but I'm excited. That's kind of the exciting thing too, is because I don't know anything about these teams. Like my, when I fill out my bracket, it's going to be so random and I will expect not to win. Like, just like I do every year. So it's going to be cool. <laughs> I just, I just want to see some, I just want to see some close games, some buzzer beaters. I want to see upsets. I want, I want it all. Well, hey, I'll keep my fingers crossed for you there. And actually, statistically, so somebody, many even avid fans like us, just in general, somebody who overanalyzes a March Madness bracket has actually statistically shown to do worse than somebody who is a casual fan or might not even know. There's actually a, a study, and I remember doing this and uh, seeing, or not doing the study, reading about this study in high school was that somebody who just went based on colors had a better chance of having a more successful bracket in March Madness, which is just crazy. Because, look, we love sports, and we love looking at the numbers. We we, we really watch this, especially people in our positions. You know, this is this is our gig. This is our, our job. So mm -hmm. we have to make sure that we're on top of the short. I, I feel like sometimes even, we might even overanalyze it because there's just so much information to, to get out there when sometimes maybe it does just take a simple process. Yeah, I'm one of those guys that over overanalyze it. Like I'll I'll look at the matchups and I'm like, okay, Maryland only allows 64 points a game. They only allow opponent opponents to shoot 30% from three. Like I like that, you know. Uh, and then I look at the other team. Like, oh, they they take 20, they take 33s a game. That's not good. Like, and they only make eight of them. Or you know, I look into all the stats and <laughs> I'll say like, no, nah, there's no way this team is gonna beat this team in the first round. Like. That five twelve matchup, like twelve, the twelves always win. Like, no, this five can get by this time. Nope, never works. It's, 
I'm like, after the first round, I'm like, I already lost my bracket. So I'm going to go with, I'm gonna go with the color. I'm gonna go with the color thing this year. Maybe. <laughs> exactly. Once you get in your head, it's just, it's just too crazy. But like what we were saying, it's just good schedule wise, at least to be on a normal March madness schedule. Fans might not be there to full capacity, but it's still great to see that. But one of the things is we talk about an abnormal schedule is that Sandy, we've got NBA all-star game coming up in March. Uh, and, and it's not only in March, but it's this weekend and it's only condensed to a day, but it's still great to get to see that. Uh, what what are some of the headlines that you are most looking forward to uh, that could come out of All-Star Week or weekend, should I say? This is, you know, it's not even anything uh, like related to the All-Star game, but this is typically when we see the trade start happening in the NBA is, is come, you know, during All-Star weekend. I, you know, uh, if you guys don't remember a few years ago, when uh, DeMarcus Cousins was still with the Pelicans, like he's doing his post-game presser after the All-Star game. And I think it was like his agent or somebody came up to him and whispered to him like, hey, like you just got you just got traded to to the Pelicans. Sorry, from the Kings to the Pelicans. And I think the reporter had asked him like, oh, you know, what do you think about New Orleans as a city? And then he gets told by the agent what happens and he goes, man, I love New Orleans. Like, it's great down here. <laughs> like, right, right after he was told he was traded there, you know, so hopefully we get a, like a, maybe not like a, a mid-game presser trade, but um, I'm hoping to see some some moves this weekend, you know, and uh, but other than that, I'm, I got, uh, I'm excited for the three-point shootout. I got Steph winning it. I, I'm excited to see, is Ob- Obi Topin still confirmed for the dunk contest, right? Yeah, it's him, Cassius Stanley, and the third guy was was it Miles Bridges? I think I'm trying to remember who the third guy was. I know I know Cassius and um and Obi Toppin, and I got Cassius winning because people, if you haven't watched him play, like the dude has bounce, like it's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it, and I'm so happy. And I I don't know how you feel about this specifically because yes, we have we have our big group chat as well where we've discussed this and. There's big Bulls fans like myself um, showing that or just telling everybody that, yes, Zach Levine is an all-star, and we're going to let you know that Zach Levine is an all-star. I'm just saying. I know, Sandeep, you might be one way or the other, but I know that you think Zach Levine is a baller. Was he deserving of it this year? Oh, 100%. 100%. Like, he – I guess the guy we're talking about when he first came in, the, you know, came in the league out of UCLA. He was known as a dunker, like athletic guy. He can finish at the rim, but like that's all people knew him at. Like he wasn't, he was not a shooter, and he's worked on his game so much. Um, the shots gotten way better, finishing has gotten better, mid range handle, like you name it. Like his offensive game is just has spiraled, and the only reason the Bulls have been winning as many games as they are is because he keeps them in it. You know, with his not only his shooting but his playmaking has improved tremendously as well, and. As someone who has Zach Levine on one of my fantasy teams, uh, I, sh- I surely can tell you he- he's putting up all-star numbers. And that's something that we need to touch on, too, is fantasy basketball. Because, yes, I- I'm a big fantasy football guy, but maybe as we go on throughout these episodes, we'll learn a little bit more about fantasy basketball because that's interesting, too. A uh, whole lot of whole mess of things. But as we also talk about this weekend's events, there's more than just basketball going on, too, Sandeep. We've got... Music drops. I know you're much more. I I enjoy Drake, but I know you're a huge, huge Drake guy. Saw so that Chance is going to be dropping a track soon, and to think Drake's is midnight, right? Midnight Eastern or something like that. Man, I, uh-huh. I man, so that that's coming out. But I think or I don't know what time it is. Maybe it's two. It might be midnight your time because you're on Pacific over in the Bay. But 
that WandaVision finale too. I'm excited, man. I I I, f- <sighs> I feel I feel fully on board that the Reed Richards Fantastic Four or the yeah the Reed Richards Fantastic Four theory with John Krasinski. That's gotta happen. I I, I just feel like that's it. See, the only way I hear about these theories is from like is always from friends, like either from from you, from our, our group chat on Twitter, from like other friends who I talk to about the show. They'll send me story links, they'll send me videos. Other than that, like I don't really look anything up myself beforehand. Um, or even like episode to episode because I like to be I just like to be surprised, you know, and then like afterwards, then when I, I'll go and like maybe look some stuff up by myself or you know, like you sent me an article link a week ago and then I'll I'll look into those things. So I'm expecting, I'm expecting just like a, first of all, I'm expecting a great finale. I know this is going to be big tomorrow. Hopefully we get at least like an hour because these, please, these 40 please minute, give us 30 an minute hour. episodes. Yeah. They're killing me, dude. These, they're coming with these 30 minute shows. Like I got time. Like, trust me, I can sit down for an hour and watch a <laughs> watch a show. So hopefully we get an hour tomorrow and man, like, I, yeah, I don't see I don't know what to expect. Like I'm wondering how the, how this, how this show is going to play out. Well, I was thinking to myself, too, was when I saw the release dates that Disney and Marvel put out with uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and they said it was going to come out in March. And I was like, what? We still have, we still have like, we're only this episode into WandaVision. I'm like, how how am I going to last? Like, I, in my mind, only knew that, yes, we're only going to get eight or nine episodes of WandaVision. I think, yeah, it's it, one or the other. Um, we're only, we're only going to get a single-digit amount. And I, for some reason in my mind, that just didn't cross. But before I know it, now I believe Falcon and Winter Soldier just starts in a couple weeks and and it's just going to lead into different things. And I'm just super excited for that. And and it's cool how Marvel and Disney Plus have used this episodic format versus like what we're used to where it's just movies. And it's still entertaining, like two and a half hours in the theater. It it goes by like nothing because they just... Kevin Feige and, and everybody at the Marvel Studios just does a fantastic job with the storytelling. But the new episodic format in streaming has has almost made me even more excited because we've got that 30, 32 minutes, however down to the detail we want to go. Um, it gives us that spoiler. We That song that is stuck in my head still, the Agatha all along um, thing, <laughs> that is still stuck in my head, and that's how an episode ends. But... Again, just talking about how it feels more of a TV series and, and they have those cliffhangers and they build it. They're just doing such a great job so far. And, and I'm excited to see what other series are going to look like. Yeah, no, I, I love this whole, um, you know, one episode at a week thing. Like some people hate it. Like they're like, they like, they like to binge a show and sit down and finish it in like one or two days. I'm like, I'll do that if, like, if a show is available on Netflix, you know, and I, and I have um, all like all the episodes are out, but. I, I just love the anticipation, man, of like a episode coming out. Like it, it's something to look forward to. Like tomorrow's Friday. We know WandaVision comes out on Fridays, you know, and in regards to the show itself, like you said, the story development has been great. You know, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect when, uh, when this show first started because the last show I tried to watch the Marvel one uh, agents of shield, like I was like one episode in, I'm like, this is so boring. I, I'm not watching this. Like, so I, I didn't know if it was going to be similar to that. And each episode has gotten better and better and better each week. And, you know, I always, um, I'm always looking forward to them. And so, dude, I'm so excited. And like you mentioned, like we got, we got win, uh, winter soldier and Falcon coming out. Like Disney's putting them out, man. Like oh, y'all, absolutely. For, 
for all my for all my investors out there, y'all better put some money in Disney stock. Like they on the rise. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe take the Dogecoin, take it out of Dogecoin and GameStop, and, <laughs> and see if see if the small company that's known as is Walt the Walt Disney Company uh, might have some some availability there. Uh, there there might be something. <laughs> All right, Sandy. Well, yeah, put again, in something real. Put your money in something real. <laughs> exactly. No. All right. Well, folks, I think uh, that that just about does it for the first revamped episode of the podcast. As we try to get this up, I think they say third times the charm, right? Uh, isn't that isn't that correct, Sandy? Something along those lines. I heard. I heard. I heard. Pop times the charm. Oh, that's it. That's it. And, and that's what you're going to get to with Sandeep and I, too. Um, so as we said, a different format. Still going to have some guests from time to time, but bringing you some some good chats, whether it's sports, pop culture, whatever it is. So please feel free to to tweet at the podcast. Also, be sure to follow Sandeep and I on Twitter. I'm at Pablo Iglesias TV. He's at Sandeep Chanduk. Once again, you can also find his stuff as he's also an NBA writer for NBC Sports Edge. And he's also part of Three in the Key, which I got to let him go in a little bit to get ready for on FindBet.com. So he's uh, he's doing a, a few mix of things. Sandeep, what else do you want to let the folks know to, uh, to catch up with you and keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, like Pablo was mentioning, you know, holla at me on Twitter at Sandy Chandok. You know, love talking hoops. We can talk WandaVision. We can talk Rush Hour 2, whatever you want to talk about. Um, Not Pascal know, Siakam, my... though. We, you can't talk yeah, Pascal oh. Siakam. We'll, we'll get into that oh. for sure. That's a tease, but oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. I don't want to <laughs> cut you well, off, yeah. but I just got to say, we cannot talk about Pascal Siakam. Hopefully they're off your back now, the the Toronto Raptor, the very – passionate you know what why don't what if we if do we do we have it's up to you do we have a little bit of time if you want to we'll, dive we'll, into te- it. we'll tease it okay we'll tease it i'm down i'm down to talk about it though fair point fair point let's do that let's let's tease it because it's 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 interesting but i, I wow. imagine having a whole country on on your ass that was me yes that that is very true <laughs> you've got you've got a third <laughs> you've got a third of the of north america um out to get you that's that's it's, it it's just another saturday <laughs> just, just another Saturday. San, Sandy woke up and the Toronto Raptors Twitter feed just wanted to to go after him. Oh my <laughs> gosh! All right, well, folks, this this about does it. What a great episode! Thanks to Donnie Tillman for joining us, and thank you to our new co-host over here, Sandeep. Man, I'm excited to get this journey going. Um, but again, you can follow us on socials. Be sure to follow us, subscribe wherever podcasts are heard at Anchor FM, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, uh, wherever. Once again, we'll have all that information for you on social. But until then, folks, hopefully you're staying happy, staying healthy, and staying safe. Take care. <laughs>